Welcome to When Pigs Fly. We're uncovering Cincinnati's rich business history from the 1800s to today. We talk to companies to learn the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, what it takes to grow a successful business, and to simply post to future innovation. I'm one of your co-hosts, Patrick Bailey. And I'm your other co-host, Allie Martin. And today we are talking with Neil Ursick of RKCA, private equity firm. You stepped in what? <laughs> <laughs> Ali, do you know what a private equity firm I is? I don't know much about private equity, but I am very excited to learn because this, honestly, this kind of reminds me of our 10th episode when we were talking about venture capital. Yes. Ven- a little venture capital 101. Yes, but private equity is literally part of the same coin as yeah. venture capital, just the opposite side. So, you know, a lot of what you learned in our earlier episodes are definitely going to come Carries back mm-hmm. <laughs> when we talk with Neil. I, I think it's a very, it, it's an intricate, complicated, but simple space at the same time. And um, I know if I have the questions, I can't be the only one that's, you yes. know, wondering the same thing. So I'm here to take one for the team and uh, <laughs> ask some of the basic stuff. And with that said, let's bring in Neil. Let's do it. Neil, welcome to the One Pigs Fly podcast. We're glad to have you on. Thanks for having me. So if you just want to start off and tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Sure, yeah. So I'm Neil. I'm a, a partner at RKCA, which is a, I'll call a merchant bank here in Cincinnati. Part of our business is a M&A advisory group that advises business owners on selling or buying other businesses. And then the other half of our firm where I sit is our direct investment or private equity practice, which is where we're buying and holding businesses on behalf of our investor group for X period of time. Okay, hold up. This is very interesting, actually, because this is truly, as we've talked about before on this podcast, a totally different territory that is very unfamiliar to me. So one of my favorite questions to ask people if I'm if if it feels foreign to me is like, what is your day-to-day like? What What is your day-to-day? Sure. Day-to-day is I'm spending time within the nine businesses that we own, helping our portfolio executives, CEOs, CFOs, all the way down to the line workers, depending on what the need is, solve issues within the company. So that could be a marketing campaign. It could be a strategic plan. It could be a search for a new employee. could be helping them think through 2022 budgets. Easiest way to say it is my job is sort of a Swiss army knife generalist mm-hmm. type of, you know, raise your hand if you need something and throw, throw me into it. And so these, these nine companies that you're working with, how did you become connected and, and the company that you're, you're working with, RKCA, become connected with these nine companies? So we raise money for private equity transactions to buy businesses that are for sale and hold them. So company XYZ is ready to be sold. It's got characteristics that fit our scope in terms of businesses that we look for. We keep mentioning private equity. Can you give our audience, and I'm guessing Allie <laughs> as well, a high, high level of <laughs> what is private equity? But I imagine for, it's very you know, complex. Yes, and it's so, very, very similar to venture capital, which has yep. already been on this podcast. Yep. So for our listeners, if you do not know, even know what venture capital is, go back to our previous episodes yes, and check that out. that was very good. I really enjoyed <laughs> that episode. <laughs> so Neil, can you help build on what is private equity? Sure. So we're private equity in that, in the sense that we're buying 
private securities or you know when you look at a business there's equities and debt we're buying the private equities of a privately held often small private company so it's very similar in many ways to venture capital the main difference is venture capital is usually more in the earlier stages of a company or it's focused on more of a hyper growth technology maybe focused company private equity is traditionally later stage usually more established businesses maybe more Main Street type of businesses than venture capital. So then what is it that you look for when you're looking to partner and and invest? So our thesis is different than most private equity firms in that we don't raise a fund. So we syndicate mm-hmm. capital. We raise money on a deal-by-deal basis. And so if you look at the portfolio today, there's nine companies. We have a car dealership in there. We have a specialty sauces and jams business. We have a brewery. We have a hospital bed cover company. And our thesis is mm. often, one, do we think this is there's going to be demand for this in the next 20 years? Mm. From the brewing standpoint, I mean, I just I, like walk me through the process as to what that looks like. If a brewery has been established, we'll take this brewery as the example or the sauce company, and they're looking to, I guess, right, they just want to sell it off. So when, how does that conversation start? What does that look like? What does that sound like? And how do you become aware of it? So we become aware of it a couple different ways. Sometimes it's through a, a broker or another investment bank that's mm-hmm. marketing the business for sale in the same way that our investment banking side of our company is marketing businesses for sale. We're, we're hearing about businesses that are for sale. And then, you know, the firm has been around since 1986. And so we've built a reputation up over those decades of thinking differently than traditional private equity. And so we, we get a lot of looks at a lot of different things in the region. So it could come in, you know, our, our CPG business, we were approached by somebody in the staffing space who had staffed someone at the company, knew it was getting ready to be sold and reached out to us and said, hey, there's this great asset. You guys should look at it. I think it'd be a perfect fit. What does it mean to think differently in private equity? So traditional private equity, you're usually buying something and you're putting a lot of debt or leverage on it. And you're trying to optimize within a short window of time, typically two to five years. And then you're going to go sell it to somebody else because mm-hmm. your investors expect their money back. Mm. Okay. Most private equity funds, and I'm speaking generally, they have yeah. you know 10-year periods in them. So you need to be after five years selling some of the portfolio companies so that you can get ready to raise the next fund and so on. It's my personal opinion. And I think the belief here that you can't really make good long-term decisions with short-term capital. So if your time horizon Mm -hmm. is going to be two to five years, you're going to make decisions that are going to benefit the company that are going to show up in that time horizon. And so what we do in many ways is the exact opposite. We buy you know, certainly we want to monetize the assets that we own eventually, but Mm -hmm. we're not buying it and going, this is great. We can turn it and flip it. We're we're backing the leadership team, so we're not coming in and reverse engineering everything or removing people. We're usually backing. You parallel them a little bit. Yeah. More. So we owned a business. We owned a T-shirt distribution company for seventeen years, wow. because it was a good business. Okay. So now, when you're holding on to these companies on a longer term than traditional private equity, right? Because I think most people think private equity, they're thinking of, you know, classic Mitt Romney going in there, cutting, firing people left and right just to, you know, cut cut the overhead down. And then, like you said, flip it and sell it and then make some money off of it. What are you doing in order to make money in that 17 year period then? 
So we're, you know, in that 17 year period is a unique story in that it was a, a great business when we bought it and we didn't have to, you know, I think if you were to ask, and I know this just anecdotally, if you talk to someone in private equity who's been in it for a very long time, you ask him or her, what's the most painful company experience in your career? Most of the time, it's not the business that they own that went to zero. Uh, that's actually not what they're upset about. The one thing that they're most upset about is that when they had a tiger by the tail and they knew this thing was going to grow for decades and they had to miss out on that bonanza of growth because they had to sell it within the time limits of their fund structure. Okay. Mm. So I guess that's the, that's the reason why we would hold on to something for a while. You know, how we're different is, you know, like I said, we're, we're backing the leadership team. We're surrounding them with our group and our network and helping them on a day-to-day basis. And I think that even that kind of goes back to one of my other questions of, you know, what are the things that you're looking for asset-wise that you know, okay, from this sauce company, from mm-hmm. this brewery, um, from the car dealership, if you had three car, car dealerships lined up, what is the one dealership that stands out to you and why? You know, we, we all often say it's the person at the top, he or she. You know, if you look at the, the business that we're in in the dealership space, we're backing a, a incredible operator and his family in a business that knows what they're doing and is good at it. It's the relationships. It's the relationship. And it's and like we're in Cincinnati, right? We're in the Midwest. And that's a okay. lot of how, that's one, how we've grown as a business and how we found and sourced other deals. And it's also just, you know, a unique, I think, different way of thinking than you would find at a PE firm based in New York or L.A. The biggest thing that we're excited about, one is we want to, we've got great investors and we, of course, want to monetize businesses. And I think it mm. it makes sense to sell your business when there's a better steward of it and operator of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing we're really excited about is investing in this region. And I just want to clarify. So like you said, you're not coming in and necessarily trying to take over the entire company. You're wanting to work with them. So let's say, cool, I own a sneaker shop and Mm -hmm. I'm making shoes, whatever it is. And I know that I need more help. I could then reach out with you, like you said, or with a broker or with an investment banker and say, hey, I know you have this experience and I need I need your help and I need guidance and you have the capital and that the the wherewithal to guide me in what I'm lacking. Is that accurate? Yeah, to support and we've got investors that think that way. Uh, a lot of our investor base is operators in the Cincinnati region that have had other Swiss to, Army knives. Other Swiss Army knives or have been able mm-hmm. to sell their business and have, you know, liquidity and the patience to say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invest in company XYZ and uh, you guys are different than a fund that is going to be in it for two to five years and sell it. And I'm okay if I don't get my money back right away because I want to build into the, this community. Okay. So now what was, what is your operator experience that, you know, led you to private equity? So I... Um, I ran a business for three years prior to joining RKCA. I took over a distressed marketing firm in OTR in 2015, and we mm-hmm. took it from two employees to 27 oh, in wow. three years, and we, we acquired two businesses along the way. How does one do that? <laughs> really good people <laughs> and luck and grit <laughs> and, uh, and uh, a spouse that's okay if you don't take a paycheck for a while. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, yeah, it was, it was a, a lot of grit and hard work that went into that. So we had an office here in Cincinnati. We had an office in Portland, Oregon, and we had a person in Melbourne, Australia, and oh, wow. did market research for brands. Most notably, we did a lot of work for Adidas. And so 
because I drive a Honda Pilot, which we talked about earlier, <laughs> Allie, <laughs> I have three Not pairs the of Odyssey, Yeezys. Odyssey, just for yeah, clarification. Yeah, just to be clear, I don't have an Odyssey. I have three pairs of Yeezys that were gifts uh, over <laughs> the years for the Adidas team up on my shelf to to fit, try to fit in, to attempt to fit in with the younger. Oh, I thought you were going to say you had turtle work. like white, you know, Adidas no, shoes, next, like turtle yeah. turtle dad moves over there. Yeah. Do, do, yeah. do the floss on on the TikTok. I think That's that right. might be wrong. So, but yeah, that was that was my operating experience before is having operated a, a business. How do you become CEO of running like a marketing company? Were you brought in by the PE firm that owned them in order to run this company? Or you're like, you're like, Hey, I'm just going to run this. And then a PE firm or someone else acquired them. And then they're like, Oh, I'm going to go into private equity now. Yeah. So I had worked at uh, Dunhumby or now 8451 for a while. You know, you both know this really well. I was volunteering at all the different accelerators. This is like 2013, 2014, mm-hmm. okay. uh, which is incredible by the way, the, the, the scene that Cincinnati had then and continues to have from a startup since the ecosystem. I love Kroger and 8451, and there's a, a lot of amazing people there, but you know, I was sitting next to men and women who had quit their jobs and been given $50,000 in a loan from Brandery to take a shot at some idea mm. that they had. And mm. I was just marveling at that bravery and grit. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I came home and I was newly married. We bought a house in Hyde Park. My wife was a Catholic school teacher. And I said, I think I need to quit my job and go. And she's like, it's summertime. What are you doing? She's like, what are you doing? (laughs) Are you nuts? (laughs) I I networked around and talked to different attorneys and friends and and met someone who had a business that was a little bit distressed. And he had said, hey, look, I've got this marketing business. And if you want to run something, this is something you could run. And that was the connection. So here, okay, so you have had your pulse then on the startup entrepreneurial scene here in Cincinnati for quite some time. Talk to us about the pros and the cons. What do you like and what do you not like right now? What can we improve on and what are we doing well? You know, I think we're, uh, that's a good question. I think what's gone on that's done a great job is there is, uh, this is my perception, I think there is access to capital and a willingness for people to network and mm. help each other out, right? I, I would have never found that business if not for the good Midwestern nature of yeah. attorneys and people in town. They were like, hey, this person seems like they want to do something cool. You should talk to this other person who likes to do cool stuff. And 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 w- kind of bouncing off of that, let's say, again, okay, I want to start the sneaker business, but I don't have any connection into that world. What advice could you give someone like myself to say, ooh, this is how you should look to become uh, invested in those relationships. Yeah, I would say cold email or LinkedIn, Mm, anybody. There's a venture firm up in Columbus called Drive Capital. Patrick, you may know those guys. And I cold emailed one of their partners six years ago and just said, I think I want to leave a corporate job. I don't know what to do. And, (laughs) you know, two hours (laughs) later, I I was on the phone with him and he's like, you should do it. Here's what you should go do. Just go. Okay, so if you're going to cold email someone, what ad, what also tips can you give there? Because that's, that's I mean, you, yeah. you want to make sure that you're making a statement, but you want to get to the point, but you don't want to linger on. Yeah, cold, e- cold emails sometimes cold, just fall on deaf ears and people are afraid to send them sometimes. Yeah. When I've been asked this before, I've the advice I always give is, Everybody loves to talk about themselves. They buy podcast mics so they can get invited to podcasts. Um, yeah, of course, that's why we have one. Duh. <laughs> and so the intro email or LinkedIn message should be like, hey, 
Ali, I like love what you're doing with Patrick on your podcast. I'm thinking about getting into the media space. Could I buy you a coffee or a beer and pick your brain? Just like, you'll never know. Just go for it. I like the gutsiness. I'm, I'm, I'm also, Neil, I, I, I'm a, a believer in that as well. And we've heard some different thoughts and perspectives on introductions and warm intros versus cold intros. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, my again, my personal perspective, shoot your shot. What do yep, you have to lose? Your shot. Yep. Okay, so then let's flip that then. What what are the things that you think that the city can improve on? You know, I think, uh, and I, I wish I was closer to it than I am now that we've, um, you know, a lot of the businesses that we're targeting are, um, are f- further upstream and more sort of established, mm-hmm. maybe you know, Main Street or what, what I like to say, boring is beautiful, more... Yeah. Boring businesses. <laughs> um, so I, I'm missing some. I'm missing some of what's happening in Startup City, Cincy. But you know, I would encourage. I think what's and this is maybe more of a, a personal pet peeve. You know, if you're inside of a big co today in Cincinnati and you're and you're working on some sort of side hustle mm-hmm. that's maybe not related to your business, mm-hmm. take that leap. And if you're a a big co CEO. Mm-hmm let your people go kind of a thing. Like, yeah, yeah, there you go. Right. (laughs) Just be Moses about it. Um, Because I, because it's hard to see, you know, you can't, you can't do two things really well. So if you're at a big company in town and you've got this great idea, like take the leap, send that cold email. You are a risk taker, Neil. I know. Well, I drive a Honda Pilot, Allie. Like there's a certain brand of. Safety (laughs) aspect. So preparation meets opportunity a little bit. Right. There's like Harley Davidson owners. And then right below it's dads and Honda Pilots. Uh, So to riff on your Honda Pilot a little bit, did you always imagine your life to be a business owner and then eventually private equity with a, a Honda Pilot? No. He's like, this is not autopilot mode. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, I'm first in my whole family to go to college. I thought I'd go to medical school. Oh, wow. I bombed the MCAT. I didn't take a business class. I was staring at a mountain of student loan debt and no idea what to do. <laughs> and someone said, you should go into management consulting. And I said, what's management consulting? And they said, oh, you just get paid to borrow someone's watch to tell them what time it is, which is kind of a joke. But it, it was a blast. It was a blast. So I spent a about a decade in management consulting and then got the itch to go run a business and then feel incredibly fortunate to have landed here at RKCA where I get to parachute in and work alongside incredible entrepreneurs uh, and men and women who've built really great businesses and try to partner with them and help them and to build into this community. So I, I tap dance into work every day. <laughs> so what differences have you noticed coming from basically running a small business yourself, startup yourself, to working now as a Swiss army knife with more established, as you say, boring as beautiful businesses. Mm-hmm. What are those you know, similarities? What are those differences? And what are some of your key learnings? You know, I think the, the biggest consistent theme, and if you, you know, our portfolio is dealer, car dealership, brewery, CPG yeah, business. All, over, yeah, the, yeah. The all, you know, all, which isn't all boring, over. by the way. I love a good jam <laughs> and toast. And it's, so. Well, they're all, you know, the thesis being like, hey, is this going to be, do we think this is going to be around? Like, I think, you know, we own a stair parts manufacturer, right? The, the Romans built stairs millennia ago. Like, we know people are going to want stairs that's in their like, home. Yeah, that's for a as thing. long as we continue to walk, we're stair going parts, to need stairs. Uh, like, company itself is just, I thought those builders built stairs. 
There's yeah, like no, aspect. that's the, there's a company we own down in Erlanger, Kentucky that makes wooden laminate stair parts. So if you remodel your home and you change the wood or laminate floor on the first floor, you want the stairs to match. They do that. And it's an incredible, I mean, that that's my favorite part is the businesses that show up that you didn't know you drove by on your way to the airport and like, oh my gosh, that's here. 99% invisible. Yeah. Yep. That's my favorite. So I think, you know, the, the thing, the themes that are the same are, I think it comes down to people and process, whether it's a software business or a stair parts business, it's about the people and taking care of the people. And it's about having good, you know, we kind of talk about it. uh, Everything tastes like chicken layer. Every business has (laughs) the everything tastes like chicken layer. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That one hits home a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) It's balance sheet, income statement, cash flow. You need a performer. You need to think about X, Y, and Z. That's the same across every business. And we try to get in there and improve the quality of the information uh, and how it's delivered and the timeliness of it. What are your thoughts on building a company culture? Because I think it's different in every industry too. You know, part of what makes us an attractive partner I, I emphasize the word partner because we're partnering alongside yeah. these business owners. And he or she who's the business owner or their family are often rolling equity forward. So they're continuing to own part of the business. I think what helps the culture is we're not, one, we're not coming in and doing the traditional private equity, which by the way, there's nothing wrong with it. Traditional private equity has been around for a long time. I'm not saying that our way is the right way. It's just our way. Yeah, it's just different. One, we're, you know, we're, we're coming in and partnering alongside that person. And two, you know, we're not, we're not taking that business through a traumatic sales process two years later. And so we're coming in and saying, hey, we're going to be around for a long time. We're going to sell when, the, when certain things make sense, when our management team is saying, I think we're ready, when the, when the return to our investors makes sense, but we're in it for the long haul. I think you kind of get a deep breath, sort of like, okay, these yeah. men and women are a little bit different. It's, a tr- it's building trust, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we're still kind of in the middle of this pandemic, right? From Mm -hmm. these nine clients and these nine businesses that you're working with, is there an underlying theme of consistency of maybe a struggle that's happening right now for businesses that the average consumer might not be aware of? I guess besides talent, because I feel like that's what, that one's been very publicized. Talent is tough. Our businesses that have exposure to, you know, warehouse or or more sort of blue, blue collar jobs, those have been harder to staff. Our CPG business in January had, you know, a pallet of pineapples for our number one ingredient, our number one skew fall over in the Bering Sea. So sometimes you're just unlucky and you've got to find <laughs> so the cover of the Wall Street Journal in January. Uh, I'll never forget that, that phone call. That was a great phone call. That was a good phone. You're like, I'm like, hey, Rob, how's it going? He's like, oh, you won't believe what happened. What? Uh, all of our pineapples are in the bottom of the Bering Sea. They fell off a container ship. And I'm like, this is not real. Nemo is happy, but. Yeah, someone's happy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think the labor space, I think you're seeing, you're seeing, you know, I think we're all sort of trying to work through how do you get back to work. And mm. I think the biggest positive has been we've, and this is, you know, we, we did this here at the firm in April of last year. We set up a talent tracker. So if you search RKCA Talent Tracker, it pulls up this website mm-hmm. where you can fill in all your content information and jobs you're looking for. So I think the uh, 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 positive, which is I, I'm using that very generally, I think there's a lot of really bad things, certainly loss of life and not great yeah, things that have come from COVID. Yeah. But I think a positive has been a lot of people have sat there and said, oh my gosh, is this really what I want to do for the rest of my life? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so we're, we're populating that talent tracker pretty consistently with people who are saying, hey, I've been going into 
company XYZ and I'm ready for a change. I've got an mm. idea. Mm. Or I really have wanted to do this role and I'm willing to take a pay cut to do it. So that's that's been the benefit, I think. And then how do you, because, and this kind of even ties back into my question of culture, then how are you also mentoring these companies to almost bring in a new flux of talent if people are trying to shift gears a little bit? Because we've gone through such dramatic changes that it's, it's constantly changing. And uh, how do you get everyone on the same page and how do you mentor them? From a mentor standpoint, we're, we're very fortunate to have an incredible team here and, and along with our investor base of mm. men and women who are more, certainly more seasoned than I am who can yeah. come in and sit alongside the people that operate our portfolio companies to say, I've seen that movie before. I, I've certainly yeah. seen, I got to see some movies uh, in my time and my old role. And um, now I've watched the movie of what happens if your blank falls off into the Bering Sea. I know that's been <laughs> that movie in. But when stuff like that comes up, you've never done that before. You've, you, you, you know, we're very fortunate to have people in our network that will come alongside and say, hey, I, I, let me help um, and mentor. And I think from a talent standpoint, I think the biggest thing we're trying to get people comfortable with is you know, people like to work remote. And so we're mm. starting to adjust to like, okay, if we're looking for a VP of marketing, are we all mm. okay that he or she doesn't live in Cincinnati and they might live in Denver? So that's been like a mindset shift and adjustment, which is good. So are you primarily looking at businesses within the tri-state region or are you now because of, you know, kind of almost hopefully post-pandemic life, you're lo- are you going to expand your search? No, I think we're, we're, we, we do own a business uh, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and that's through a connection uh, tied to Cincinnati, which is why we're up there. But everything else is within the tri-state region. One, one of the benefits is we know a lot of people. And so the argument we always make is I want to be able to, before getting into work, have breakfast with the CEO or CFO of a portfolio company, or I know the right attorney or CPA or podcast hosts <laughs> to introduce them to, to share, share their message. It's just harder to do when you own a business kind of far away. And two, you know, I think we're, because we're, you know, we have part of our business that's transactional advisory and investment banking and selling, and we're operators on this side, we kind of want to stay focused in this region because we're just so passionate about it. We think, and it's not, that's not like a knock on that there's not enough competition. I think, I think the more businesses like ours that are investing in Cincinnati that are being mindful on the sell side in terms of who you sell to and how do you sell, helping business owners kind of monetize their life's work. And then on the you know private equity side, you know, we've got certainly have our elbows out only when it's, a PE firm that maybe doesn't share some of the values that we have and Cincinnati has. So it's not a zero sum game. And I think there's plenty of great businesses in town and we hope to stay here a long time. So what makes this region, I guess, prime for, you know, growth and for investment? You know, one, I I think it's a bit of a, uh, which, you know, is a, is a, not a knock. It's, it's sometimes considered a flyover. I don't think you see a ton of, we, we certainly don't see a ton of, private equity competition in the, in the pools that we play in, which is, which Why is, Why do you think that is? Uh, sometimes it's maybe the size of the business isn't, you know, in a typical private equity fund, they're going to say, I'm, I only buy, uh, often they're going to say, I only buy businesses in this sector with this growth rate, with this Very niche, EBITDA yeah. number, and we don't deviate outside of those guardrails. We're, 
obviously a lot more flexible. So I think that's part of it. And two, I don't, you know, like I said, I don't, there's a, there's more and more players in our space, which is incredible. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you went to Cleveland or um, Chicago or other cities that have more sort of established private equity and investment banking, they've just been doing it longer. You know, we've been, uh, the firm's been around for a long time, mm-hmm. but there's not seven other investment banks in Cincinnati that have been at it, you know. There's Do you a think other. Cincinnati needs more of those in order to create more thriving opportunity? I guess, more opportunities for, you know, our small to medium-sized businesses to be acquired? Or do you think, you know, leave it as is? I mean, obviously, selfishly, you're kind of hoping that you just own the whole game, but. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I think I would love to see more. There's, there's a few that have been coming through over the last couple of years, and I think it's incredible. Mm. Like, I, if you said to me, I've got a great business in Cincinnati and I can choose between having RKCA sell it or having RKCA buy it on this side, or I can have investment bank out of Chicago sell it or investment bank PE firm out of Chicago buy it, you know, or a new entrant in Cincinnati do it. I'd say, mm. you know, if we, if we're going to lose, let's lose to somebody local. Uh, and again, it's not, it's not, you know, a loss because it's in this community and it's helping expand the job base and keep people here. And like, that's a win-win. Yeah. Certainly we'd like to win all of them, but that's okay. We can, and we have investors who like certain things and not others. And that's our model. And you've seen a ton of businesses from startup early stage to very late, well-established companies and in various industries as well. What is one piece of advice that you would give someone who is looking to start their own business? Two pieces of advice. One is, get, you know, get rich slowly is not a popular infomercial. Um, <laughs> it's not as sexy. <laughs> no. Yeah. And boring so, is beautiful. Boring is beautiful. Yeah. And like, oh, you know, that. a lot of what, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys being so complimentary about my old role and the growth we had, but a lot of that was really, really freaking talented people besides me who had a lot yeah. of grit. Mm. And you just, you, you know, I think that's one of our advantages here as our, our firm and our reputation. We've just got this accruing grit where we do what we say we're going to do for our sell side clients and for our portfolio companies. And that mm-hmm. sort of builds on itself. So I would say one, you know, it's going to take a long time and there's going to be extreme highs and lows. And the second one is, you know, nobody washes a rental car. And so as mm-hmm. you expand your team, you know, people want to feel like owners and we, that's how we structure our, our deals. We set up a management equity pool so that people... Uh, on the management teams can participate in the growth of the business. So, you know, I think, think, think like an owner, it takes a while. And uh, I got my teeth kicked in many, many, many times. And our portfolio companies do, and I do in this role. But I think having that grid and treating people fairly and like owners is really important. And this is when you get into your Honda Pilot, oh, I'm gonna roll down the windows, no idea. and crank, what uh, doesn't that's, kill you makes you stronger. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly. And just on then the systems, obviously top of the line. Top of the well, line. Oh my gosh! And, the, and there goes Neil rolling away. You'll see. That's right. Podcast. Windows down. Two car seats in the back. Yes. Yeah. Shades on. Let's Shades go. on. Receding hairline. Just sort of kind yeah. of blowing in the wind, but not really. Loosely. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, that was good. Well, Neil, on that note, oh, that's a fun way I think we should leave this conversation. It's been enlightening for me, truly. Um, I know some of my questions were probably pretty basic, but awesome. I can't be the only one 
asking this. I mean, it can't be the only one wondering. Yes. Thank you, Neil, for, uh, you know, enlightening us and, you know, enlightening our, you know, audience to the later stage of private investment into companies uh, here in the tri-state area. And uh, we're excited to see where your portfolio companies go and where you go. So we'll just have to have you back on later on. That'd be fun. And thank you both for this podcast and what you guys are doing. I think it's the more we can evangelize about what's happening in Cincinnati, the better. Anybody listening, if you are thinking about taking the leap, my email is nursic, N-U-R-S-I-C at rkca.com and would love Love to help you out. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you both. Wow. The people. The people. Seriously, I I feel like a lot of our investment conversations, Mm -hmm. it all comes back to the people. And even when building a company, it comes back to the people. (laughs) This, but it's the people. But here's the thing. Anything good in life takes time. Mm. That includes relationship, that includes growing a business, getting better at a skill, whatever it may be. This is what I think, you know, this is what Neil was saying and what differentiates them is the short term versus the long, yeah, long term. It's boring is beautiful and boring allows you to step back and be a little bit more strategic. Boring allows you to really embrace the what you have in front of you and reevaluate, but also just die again, dive into those relationships. It's always about relationships and it takes time and it takes that grit and it just takes consistency. Which I think will even surprise some of the more senior investment professionals that listen to our podcast. I hope so. Because, you know, they're probably thinking, you know, this guy's going to come on our, uh, would come on our podcast and talk spreadsheets, right? Like, let's talk spreadsheets. And no, it's been about relationships, people. Drop some philosophical knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) All while driving his Honda Pilot. (laughs) I do. I I feel like it's, it was great. It was like a little bit of a therapy session in my mind. (laughs) I mean, honestly, have a, as he said, he's like ran multiple companies and now mm-hmm. he's a partner at this, you know, PE firm. But, he, you know, he, I feel like he needs a therapy session. Probably. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, put your, put yourself in the shoes of any business owner that, you know, your business is established, you're not doing well and you want someone to help and, and take your business on and continue to grow it or maybe sell it one day. And this is where Neil and RC, RKCA come in and at a, at, you're already in a vulnerable state. So you're already number one, admitting to yourself that there's a little bit of failure there or potentially a lot. So now in order for someone like Neil and RKCA to come in, they need to be able to articulate and build and gain trust with you as the business owner to say, we're on the same page. So that's that's a tough thing to do because you're already at your low. Yeah. And the fact that I think that, like he mentioned, that makes them different than traditional Mm -hmm. private equity firms. Again, I think I mentioned while we were talking with him, most people think there is this like, you know, old scary guy coming in and just going to cut a whole bunch of jobs and overhead and completely revamp the business. And I think those people have to say that doesn't happen. It does happen. Right. Yeah. But maybe this is the way forward in private equity. Maybe this is the better way of doing private equity. So, maybe Neil can champion that uh, and maybe 
hopefully RKCA, could possibly change the industry. And that could happen starting here in Cincinnati. And so with that, it's time to cheers. No, not yet. What? Do you know why? Why? Because we have to tell people to get a hold of us, of course. Oh, oh gosh, I forgot. I forgot. Yes. If you can't you, leave the people hanging. <laughs> if you would like to get a hold of us, please email uh, hosts at whenpigsfly.fm or reach out to any of our social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. We really appreciate your messages of support. Honest uh, feedback. Support. Yes. Hit, Let us know. Yes, let us know if you agree with our with assessment. Of <laughs> let you us know me. if you agree with our assessment of private equity or any yeah. other investment or any of the, the other companies we've talked about. Again, mm-hmm. this is not investment advice, as you hear on our disclaimer at the end. Um, yes. But please reach out. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, and also, please feel free to download, subscribe, mm-hmm. and to rate our shows. It helps us tremendously in the search functions when people are looking for a podcast to listen to. And tell a friend. If you like it, tell a friend. Now it's time to cheers. No, no, it's okay. And prost. And here's some necessary legal stuff. Allie Martin and Patrick Bailey developed the When Pigs Fly podcast in collaboration with the Up Company LLC. At the time of this recording, we do not own equity or any financial interest in the companies which appear on the show unless otherwise indicated. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinions of the EW Scripts company and its affiliates or Generator Management LLC and its affiliates or any entity which employs us. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. We have not considered your specific financial situation nor provided any investment or legal advice on this show. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week. We also want to give a shout out to Claire and Christian of Moonbow. They're the two artists of our intro song, which is so catchy and gets stuck in our heads all the time. So bop over to Spotify or wherever you find your music and give them a listen. And Like the Night by Moonbow is courtesy of Silver Lake Sync.